Welcome everyone to Woo Stories. This is a youth worker series and my name is Kathy Esparza and I'm one of your hosts. Uh, hello, hello. My name is Frankie Franco and I am the other co-host of the Woo Stories podcast. And we would love to welcome our guest today. Her name is Nancy and she is currently a Worcester Public School teacher and a handball player. And I met Nancy, because of her handball expertise and how she tries to promote the sport in Worcester and beyond. So thank you, Nancy. Yes, thank you for joining us. We are so excited to hear about your story and the roots to handball in Worcester because we know that you are a big part of that and also of how this sport has been introduced to our young people in our city. The City of Worcester presents... Who Stories. So if you could get us started by sharing with us a little bit about your story of how did you get involved with youth work in your life? Well, first of all, it's through teaching. When I started teaching in the whole of public schools in 1994, moving here to the West area, relocating in 1999 working, you know, in the Burncoat Middle, then Burncoat High, and then moving to North High. And I've been doing work with youth even since I was young, you know, getting involved with, you know, local community organizations in Southbridge, because that's where I grew up in Southbridge, Mass. And eventually learning about the sport of handball. So I got really involved in 2007 to fix Camp Street handball courts at the corner of um, Cambridge and Camp Street and to fix Castle Oread three-wall handball courts that were up there at that time. Because I believe there were handball courts that were removed and they repurposed them into an empty parking space right across from the World War I Memorial. And I know some local players that grew up in Worcester, born and raised, I even asked the assistant Commissioner Robert Antonelli, if they have anything on the archives, anything to learn about, you know, why were they built this way within the block and find out the history of handball, but nothing. So I just became uh, not just a player, I became like an activist for handball to grow and develop it with my husband, who's, you know, a guru, you know, like he eats, sleeps and breathes handball he's a very good player that's where I learned a lot from him and I got involved so I'm like because nobody else is doing this nobody else is doing it all over New England Nancy I feel like you sort of brushed over you being a Worcester Public School teacher especially in two schools that I went to and I'm curious to know like the story of why did you choose that profession because from what we talked about you're also Boricua you're Puerto Rican like a Puerto Rican teacher within the Worcester Public School system so what made you want to be a teacher and how was that journey for you? Oh, that was an accident, um, <laughs> being a teacher. Really, it, it wasn't like, it just a calling. I really wanted to be an open heart surgeon. And I did the high school health careers program that I always tell my students to apply to at UMass Medical School. So that was my thing in the health-related field. And I did that program, WPI, and I did quite well, you know, living... In Massachusetts since 19, July 1978, came from Orocovis, Puerto Rico, 
no English, nothing. And I was in the transitional bilingual education program. So I had to learn just like my English language learners learn the ropes of the language and acculturation, but not too much assimilation. You know what I mean? And I got into teaching, you know, little by little. I don't know how. And I just switched majors. So I was like bouncing around. Am I going to go into public administration? Am I going to go into, you know, the medical field and take my medical exam to go into this or the LSATs, whatever I got to do. And then I say, you know what, let me check, take a course at the School of Education at UMass Amherst. I did and I kind of stuck and I continue. I didn't stop. I didn't take no breaks. Education, multicultural education and curriculum development. That's how I got into it. If I were to do it all over again, I would have just gone into guidance counseling. Like really interested in that. You know, for, I've been a teacher for quite a while. Sometimes I forget how long I've been in it. Tell us a little bit about who were the people along the way that supported you in your journey as an educator. You also earlier told us a little bit about all your activism around Hamble. Tell us who were the people, you, you mentioned your husband, but maybe other people that uh, were along with you in your journey and mentor you. I had some good people that made a positive impact in my life. I had great teachers that I went back and visited them while I was trying to get my teacher certification. And I went to visit them in Southbridge and I paid them respect. Mr. Dragon, my reading teacher, Mr. Dragon is actually his name. And I really appreciated him. He, he said I had a lot of potential. Mr. Porcelli, my social studies teacher, and I went to see Mr. DeColis and Mr. Monroy. Mr. DeColis was my ESL teacher, and Mr. Monroy was my bilingual teacher at Charlton Street Elementary School, so I really appreciated that, and I went to visit them. You know, I'm, I'm remembered in Southbridge, and I go back to Southbridge and to my roots over there, and my parents encouraged me to stay in school and do something, because they didn't have the opportunities that I had, you know, with very limited education, my mom, fourth grade education, my father, seventh grade, but they, you know, put in me the motivation to do something better than what they experienced as a young person living in Puerto Rico in the 1950s and 60s, which was very hard for them. I wanted better. I just didn't want to work in no factory. American Optical, where almost everybody worked, and I wanted better for me, but it was hard. It, it was a tough journey. I didn't have things easy for me. I had to work really hard. So like I tell my students, I set the precedent. I, I set the example for my younger sisters to do the same thing, to get a high school education, to graduate and go to college. You know, you make mistakes along the way. You just um, pick yourself up and continue your journey because I'm still on a journey and I want to pursue a lot of things. But I just take it one day at a time. You're still working hard, very hard, not only for your students in the Woodson Public School System, but also advocating for handball to be a more popular sport in Worcester and make it more accessible to youth, which is a lot also that like you deal with a lot of politicians, a lot of the red tape that, that, that comes with that. But our question to you is that like you're juggling both the activism for handball and helping your students. But how do you take care of yourself, Nancy? I was just talking about that with one of my classes today. 
I was like, well, would it be nice to go on a vacation? But now with COVID-19, you have to think staycation. You know, I would like to go, go to a nice warm place. But I'm like, hey, maybe someday when things are a little bit safer. It, it's a lot. I still deal with a lot. You know, I know we have three days next week. And the kids always look forward to some chill time. And I need that every now and then. But I work around the clock all the time. If it's not school related, I'm working on handball, trying to connect with handball players, you know, in New England, local players, you know, of different forms because people play small ball handball, big ball handball. They play indoors, they play outdoors. I try to connect with all of them and um, and just keep keep it going. So I don't really have downtime. If I do, I'm like... <laughs> I think I'm wasting my time just sitting here and just chilling. That's why I look forward to the summertime. I'm still working. Many moments here and there, maybe just watching something on Netflix or something. I I don't really do for me. I do for others. That's the problem. I do for others so much that I forget about me sometimes and and taking some personal time. And I hear that. And that's what I hear from a lot of youth workers, how we spread ourselves thin and we always care about others and we want to do for others and then a person we always put on the back burner is ourselves unfortunately because we have to be the best self in order to help others so is there anything that you do to find some relief release some of that frustrated energy you may be carrying or anything like that i gotta work out go hit the ball even if it's cold yeah the lights are on at crompton if it wasn't so cold, I'll be over there hitting the ball around for a little bit. There's some loud music or come inside in my house and work on the basement with my my workout ladies online. <laughs> you know, and write some stuff in my journal. Write my thoughts down. Something that you said that I love is, is movement, you know, because I think that there is something very beautiful and healing in moving our bodies because sometimes for some of us, may not be easy to speak about things or to release them in other ways but releasing it through movement into sports is something that definitely can help mm -hmm. I because also we all carry a lot of issues you know I'm dealing with people that have social and emotional issues so what is the safest way to deal with that inner anger inner rage you feel with the way people treat you sometimes they treat you like you're less than or you feel like you don't fit in and handball is a way where people can fit in it's an equalizer sport and you don't have to be tall you don't have to be skillful you just gotta have the enthusiasm the fire and just practice you gotta work at it just like anything else and for those listeners that do not know what handball is why don't you explain it to us a little bit what's the, what's the essence of the sport it's like playing tennis and your hands are your, like your racket. You just move your body around. It's a good workout. It's just the rawness. And it's just the, the motion of just hitting the ball against the wall and just feeling it in your hands. Or just you have the control. That's the rawness of it, the beauty of it. And you just have that control just like when you're hitting a speed bag and you're hitting a heavy bag. And for you, of course, you got to wrap it up. Put your wraps on, put your bad gloves on and you just start hitting it and it's your body doing the work you're moving your whole body from head to toe it just feels good 
you feel your your body moving, you're dealing with the emotion, you got anger inside of you. And I got a lot of frustration inside of me. You know, a lot of things that you got to release because things don't go your way all the time. Yeah. And sometimes people are, you know, certain way and you just do it. How I got introduced, which I explained to Nancy before, is I know handball is big in the Puerto Rican and Dominican community. And I don't know other Latino communities, but my mom played handball growing up and my father played handball. So I remember going with my father to the handball courts and him showing me how to play as a as a young teenager because that's the one sport he, he, he ever, he didn't play basketball, football, any of that. He was too cool for all of that. But when it came to handball, that's when he got down and dirty and he played. And the same thing with my mom. She used to go with her friends and family to play handball in New York. So when I see the handball courts in Worcester, they bring me back to that and the roots of that. And that's why I admire what you do, Nancy, because you try to bring it more to the youth so they can learn what handball is and how big it is in, in, in certain pockets in Worcester and beyond. It, sh it should be respected more as a sport and as an option and outlet for youth to release some of their anger because it, it should be more accessible. All you need is a ball and a wall and you can play handball. Extremely affordable. And I just want to teach it more. So there is a handball community in Worcester. It's just, you know, it needs to be, there needs to be an, a rebirth, just like in other local cities and towns in Massachusetts. So there are a lot of handball history in New England, especially Massachusetts. And there is a lot of history here in the city of Worcester. So we'll see what happens in the next two or three years. But I really want those four one more handball courts uh, at the corner of Cambridge Street. Also the additional fencing at Green Hill Park handball courts because those are right next to Worcester Technical High School. Yeah. So that we have, uh, I could create a Worcester youth handball team at the yeah. middle school and high school level. That's my main goal. And it's co-ed and everything. And I'll provide all the equipment and I'll train the young kids. Cause I met some nice youth at Gates Lane that played, uh, you know, while I was showing them the basic of how to play handball and they really loved it. So I'm hoping if there's an opportunity to regroup with some of the youth so they could bring more youth in, you know, in the springtime of 2021, if it's possible and start a small group little by little. So what I just heard is that you're blending your love for education and your love for handball at the same time. I'm curious to know, like, what made you want to build these these youth teams? Like, what's inspiring you to do this? Because I want to give the youth an opportunity, even those kids that they're not basketball enthusiasts or kids that don't feel they fit in with baseball, basketball, or soccer. There's another alternative, something else they could play or be a well-rounded athlete. And the beauty of it is a lifelong sport. We have players that are in their 30s, their 40s, and 50s, and some players in their 60s, and you could continue playing the sport till you're in your 80s. I know Southwestern sports have their baseball and soccer, and they only cut off ages 13. It shouldn't stop at 13. It shouldn't stop once you play in high school. You're a high school basketball player or baseball player. You continue on. 
something that sounds really cool about handball is that opportunity for passing down wisdom as you enjoy a sport together with an intergenerational community from what you're saying, mm -hmm. which I think mm -hmm. we need more of those spaces in our Western community for our young people to, you know, share more space with our elders and old adults and young adults. And that's another way of releasing and healing as we're talking about self-care. And another question that we ask our guests is, we would love to learn about what spot in Worcester brings you joy and happiness. We call it the Wood Spot. So why don't you tell us about your Wood Spot? Anything, yeah. On the handbook court. Hey. <laughs> and whether it's Cannon Street, Green Hill, when it's too hot, in Crompton Park. Those are my best places to go to because you could do a lot. And not anywhere. I love park spaces, not just handball. I just love being in a park and doing a lot of fun things. And I like the latest place I like to check out, Elizabeth Price Outdoor Workout Area, because that is a really good thing to have, an outdoor place where young people and adults can work out and play handball. And if you want to skate, go skate over there and do bike tricks. But as long as you don't step on the handball court, I'm cool. <laughs> On the handbook court floor, because y'all in Guayao. Oh, it's not. So if you have a chance, if you haven't already saw them, just go to Camp Street for Sigamant Ave for Skyline Drive, and you'll see them. And that's a woo spot for somebody like Nancy and many others, where they find peace and joy, and that could potentially be a woo spot for you. And Frankie, you owe Nancy a partida of handball. Yeah, I do. So... I can't wait to see that. And please contact me. You know, I'm accessible. I'm on Facebook on the New England Handballers Association Inc. I have a Facebook page. People can contact me, send me a message if you want to look me up under my name, Nancy Ortiz. Even close group if you want to learn how to play handball. It's free. We don't charge for anything. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your story, your journey. I know I owe you a handball game. And a few folks, a few, a couple, <laughs> and for folks listening, if you want to learn more about handball, please don't hesitate to reach out to Nancy. She's always welcome to teaching new folks how to play and to teach people about the history of handball and how big it is in, in certain communities. Thank you so much, Nancy. I just wanted to give you a shout out because you are part of who creates the, the story of our city, who builds community. And I know myself learned so much about handball and the importance culturally that it has and also the potential that it has to be such an amazing intergenerational space. So thank you so much for everything that you do for our community and for our young people. Oh, you're welcome. It's my pleasure. This is a podcast created by the Division of Youth Opportunities. Thanks for tuning in. Check out our next episode. We will be speaking with Elio Rivera about the youth worker experience and the power of saying no. The Wood Stories Youth Worker Series was created in celebration of 2021 National After School Professionals Appreciation Week. Appreciation Week is a time to recognize and appreciate those who work with youth during out of school hours. It is a joint effort, including community partners, after school programs, youth and child care workers, and families.
Wood Stories is produced by Frankie Franco, Katia Esparza, Vanessa Calixto, and Liza French. This episode was edited by Liza, and our episode art is by Vanessa. Special thanks to all of our guests. Our theme song is Gone by More Beats. You can find these episodes and more on our website, www.worcesterma/youth-opportunities. Find us on Facebook or check out our Instagram at Worcester underscore D-Y-O. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. <laughs>